Hi, welcome back. My name is Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast. Now available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and heard in 25 plus countries. Thank you so much for listening today. To reach out to us on Instagram, please follow us at the mental underscore wealth podcast. For collaboration, sponsorships, and partnerships, please email us at contacttmwp at gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental wealth and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and this is the Mental Wealth Podcast. of the Mental Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Little. Happy to be back here for episode number 29. And uh, man, we're just, 2021 has just gone by so quick. And, um, but we're here. If you're listening to this, it means that you're still here. No matter what you've been going through, what you've been feeling, the good, the bad, the ugly, you're still here. So thank you for being here. Thank you for staying with us, for being a listener, for being a supporter. And a, we got a fantastic, fantastic episode today. Um, where I'll start before we get to the interview. So I was in my clubhouse room last Sunday. We had a room about mental health and work. And you guys know me. I'm very passionate about the connection with mental health resources and the workplace and just everything that's transpired in the last couple of years and how that's affected us. And one of the commenters, one of the contributors was just mentioning how important that conversation is also when it comes to our youth. And that's something that I'm equally as passionate about, right? When it comes to uh, having conversations about educating the youth, making sure that we parent our kids, we teach our kids mental health, because if not, we raise them to not know anything about mental health. And that story is consistent. Maybe in your life, I know it wasn't my life. You'll hear from our guest today, it wasn't her life. People don't talk about mental health enough. And if we're trying to end the stigma, we can start We can start with the youth because the youth are the future adults, they're the future leaders. And if we can educate them early on, we have a chance to end the stigma. So nevertheless, it was interesting. So I had already planned for the next Sunday, which was this past weekend, to do a room about mental health, youth education. But a few days ago, maybe you read it, it broke news. CNN, Shade Room, anywhere you get your news, whether in the culture of hip hop media, uh, in the culture of mainstream media, secondhand media. Uh, v- Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is the Surgeon General himself in the US. So, for all my listeners uh, in different countries, we know it's 25 different countries out there. Surgeon General, basically, he's the top doctor. He's appointed uh, by the president. I believe he's verified by like the Senate, the Congress, um, but they're a doctor in whatever field they are, and they basically kind of become the top medical professional in the country who consults the president, consults Congress when it comes to medical issues. So this is coming, and I'll link this in our episode notes. This is from a People Magazine article, uh, and and it brought about some very alarming statistics. It says between 2019 and 2021, emergency room visits for suicide attempts went up 51% for young girls and 4% for boys. The rates of depression and anxiety doubled during that time, with 25% of kids reporting depressive symptoms and 20% with anxiety. And this is a quote from Dr. Murthy. He said, it would be a tragedy if we beat back one public health crisis only to allow another to grow in its place. Mental health challenges in children, adolescents, and young adults are real, and they are widespread. But most importantly, they are treatable and often preventable. The article continued, it said mental health issues like depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts were already on the rise prior to the pandemic. Between 2011 and 2015, emergency visits for those in similar conditions went up 28%, but the pandemic has only added to the crisis. Dr. Murthy also, quote, even before the pandemic, an alarming number of young people struggled with feelings of helplessness, depression, and thoughts of suicide, and rates have increased over the past decade. 
He said the COVID-19 pandemic further altered their experiences at home, school, and in the community. And the effect on their mental health has been devastating. It goes further and concludes that uh, social media, global news has played a role. Dr. Murthy said the young people are bombarded with messages through the media and popular culture that erode their sense of self-worth, telling them they are not good looking enough, popular enough, smart enough or rich enough. That comes as progress on legitimate and distressing issues like climate change, income inequality, racial injustice, the opioid epidemic and gun violence feels too slow. Finally, he says that the, the crisis needs to be addressed now. And Dr. Murthy outlined steps, including recognizing that mental health is an essential part of overall health, expanding access to mental health care, adding more help in schools and increasing research into the issue. He concluded by saying the further, excuse me, the future well-being of our country depends on how we support and invest in the next generation. I encourage all of you to please look at that article. It's going to be linked in the episode notes. Uh, very sobering. So think about what we're facing before the pandemic. Then the pandemic came, took away many of our children away from what their normal was, going to school, having a place to go, whether it was the best place or the worst place for them. Some people love school. Some people hate it. But it gave them that regular social atmosphere, swiping that away. Maybe some of your friends or family, your your brothers or sisters didn't graduate uh, the way they usually graduate. Maybe they had to graduate virtually and didn't get that experience of walking across the stage that they wait 18 years for. No prom. No friends to hang out with. Like that takes a toll on people, right? And, and so here the doctor was saying that men, we have a mental health crisis. He called it a youth mental health crisis. And the youth is so imperative for us to end this stigma of mental health. When we put mental health in quotations as if it doesn't exist, if this is taboo. But the good news is that the focus on mental health has been more, the light has been shined brighter than it's ever been. And maybe the pandemic is to thank for that. So of course, unfortunately we lost a lot of life, but maybe the good that's come out of a really tough situation is that many people for the first time are acknowledging what they're feeling, what they're going through and their experience. And now we have the top doctor in the United States of America saying there's a mental health crisis. So we definitely know the youth of our children are facing it. Definitely our adults, our adults are. And on top of that, imagine, so we have the system that's been designed to harm our mental health, social media, the global infrastructure. And then for many of us, we have generational trauma. We were raised not to understand what mental health was. You'll hear from our guests in a few moments. Maybe you're like like her or like me, where your parents didn't really talk about mental health, or maybe they made you feel less than for feeling depressed or sad before you even knew what those words were. Or gaslit you with words like, well, don't tell our business, don't put us out there, or you'll be okay, or don't cry, suck it up. This is real. And now we're finally exposing it. But once we expose it, we have to do something about it. You know, I always say it's more than just awareness. If we're simply aware that it's a problem, right? This big doctor comes out, Dr. Murphy comes out, says, hey, 53 page uh, document is an issue, makes news. Great. And we're shining light. And that's why we led the podcast with it. But what good is that if that's all we do? If that's all it ever is, is well, hey, this is a bad thing. Yeah, we know it's a bad thing. We know that. But what are we going to do about it? What action are we going to take? What actionable items can we intentionally decide to do ourselves with this situation? And I had the pleasure of being in a clubhouse room today with over 200 people that came in talking about mental health people, advocates, counselors, therapists, people who work with the school system, talking about ways to bring this to light so that all schools, all public schools can have mental health professionals on call, right available for all of our students to make sure that our students know what it is to make it mandatory to take mental health courses along with that physical education, along with that family life. 
let's make it mandatory for all students to have to take a mental health course every year. I don't care if it's 30 minutes a day, something to shine light. Let's talk about that. Please, if you get a chance, please read that article, share it with a friend. Let's get that message out there as much as possible. Let's take care of our mental health. Kudos to all of my parents out there raising their kids. You have a tough job, one of the toughest in the world, if not the toughest, to raise our children. Kudos to you. Kudos to our teachers who are right there teaching our kids and anyone else in a position to influence a child, a youth, a teenager. Please carry that responsibility with grace and understand the power that you have. But listen, to get to our, our podcast today, welcoming all of you guys back in episode 29, press on. It's funny, you know, if you take those same words and add a D and a P, a D and an E, excuse me, before the press and an I between the S and the O in, you get the word depression. And not long ago, you'll hear me tell the story. I was on Facebook and this young lady, Passion Buchanan, went viral. She's a fashion designer, an entrepreneur, social media influencer, and she designed a hoodie, just a hoodie with the word depression on it. But if you're listening on Spotify, you'll see that this is not just the word depression. It's a really interesting concept. And I had to track her down and find her to have a conversation with her because I felt like there was more behind the hoodie. And you best believe there is. And so this is my episode, my conversation, my guest here, Passion Buchanan, uh, the designer uh, of Passion Boutique and the designer of this wonderful uh, hoodie that's now on the way to my home, hopefully soon. Uh, I, I wanna, I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys. Please enjoy this. Uh, this is Passion Buchanan. I'm back with another episode of the Mental Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Justin. And I'm here with a special guest, my new friend, Passion Buchanan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well today. And um, I'm so glad to have had the chance to sit down with you. As I was telling you before we started recording, I saw, I encountered you. You went viral on Facebook with yes. your product. And we're going to get to that, of course, later and, mm -hmm. and, and let the audience know all about this special product that you launched. Um, one of my good friends, uh, a sister of mine's, she shared it. That's how I saw mm -hmm. it. And I commented, oh, wow. I said, this was so dope. She, she was like, um, and it, she's one of my avid listeners. So her initials, I won't mm -hmm. say her name, but her initials are mm -hmm. A-T. So when I say that, mm -hmm. she knows who she is. <laughs> she, she shared it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I got to have one of these. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I got to have one too. I said, I'm going to find this girl. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, bro, please like, let me know. So I can't wait to mm -hmm. tell her like that I found you, finally got, got yeah. in front of you. And I messaged you on Facebook and said, hey, what's mm -hmm. up, holla. She ain't respond. It's cool. So then I said, I found you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She ain't respond. <laughs> so then, uh, so then I said, well, you know what? You know, most of us influencers on Facebook with our professional dashboards. And I said, her email is there. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. I said, maybe it's like me. I don't respond to all my DMs, but maybe <laughs> she'll respond to email. So I said, I'm going to email you. And lo and behold, I got a response within like 24 hours. And you know, yeah. <laughs> connecting our schedules together. Just so glad to get a chance to sit down with you and just to learn more about you, your story, and and really just how special of a person you are. So thank you for coming in with us today. Yes, of course, and thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Awesome. So let's start. Let's start at the beginning. Like, right? Who is who is Passion? Where do you come from? What's your, what's your origin story? Okay, so um, I was originally born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, okay. But when I was around two, three years old, my mom actually moved us to Gainesville, Florida. Um, so honestly, childhood for me was like one of, I'm, okay, if I had to rate it, right, from a scale to one to six, I'm gonna do that, or one to 10, I would give my childhood like a five or a six, right? Um, so for me, like we had homeless moments or years, should I say, we were homeless for years, um, just sometimes didn't even know what we were going to eat. Honestly, and it's like, it kind of sounds like a typical story, but it's literally something I've lived through. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for me, it's just like, I don't know, like we literally didn't have things for a while um, when it came to like going to school and like things like that. I would see kids with, back in the day, you know, Aeropostale was popping. If you had Aeropostale, you was it. 
But it's okay. like for us, we couldn't afford those things. You know what I'm saying? And I, I used to be so mad. Like I used to be like, oh my gosh, like I wish I had this, that, and the third. Like that's literally like all I used to say. Like I just wish we could afford those things, but we couldn't. I literally would get hand-me-downs from people or um, sometimes like with us, like when we were homeless, we had to stay in churches. So it's like we would literally move to one church every Sunday. We would have to fold up our beds and leave. And then during the week, we couldn't be there like during the day. So we would have to be at like a community center and stuff like that. Um, so when it comes into like the mental health part, for me, it really, for me, I really started struggling, should I say, with mental health um, around like sixth grade. Um, that's kind of when it really started hitting me hard. Just because, mind you, I got bullied in elementary school, middle school. But seventh grade is kind of like when it stopped with the bullying, but the mental health part, like I really started struggling with like depression. But of course, back then I didn't know what it was because Mm -hmm. we didn't grow up talking about it. My mom never spoke on depression, even though come to find out she actually struggled with it herself. But she never sat us down and said, hey, you know, as you get older, your mind changes or things happen and and this is what you're going to experience. You know what I'm saying? Like that never happened for me. So when I started to feel like, sad all the time and crying and upset and all these different emotions. I didn't know where it was coming from. Like I knew where it was coming from, but like, you know, saying mentally, I didn't know what was going on because I was young. Nobody sat me down like, Hey, passion, listen, we need to go ahead and go get you some help. Like, let's go. And mind you, I talked to my mom. I even asked her, I said, mom, can you take me to a therapist? Once I started like talking to other people, I'm like, Hey, I want to see a therapist. But my mom was that parent. What happens in this house stays in this house, you know? So it wasn't one of those, Oh yeah, you can go talk to people because she didn't want people in her business. And I understand sometimes, but I feel like if your child is coming to you like, hey, mom, there's something going on. I don't understand why I'm feeling like this. I don't understand why I'm so sad all the time. And my sadness, my depression, really, like I would be isolated. I would, people could be over, we could be having a party. I would be in a room with the door closed, you know what I'm saying, with the lights off. And it would take everything in me to get up and to move around. But even then, it's still, I don't want the lights on. I didn't want to talk to nobody. Don't be in my face. And a lot of people, you know, oh, it's going to be all right. This is just a phase. You'll get over it. But in the long run, that affected me for a while. Um, I had suicidal thoughts. I tried to kill myself a couple of times. Um, I wrote death notes to my mother, slid them up underneath her door so she could see them when she woke up in the morning. And my mom, you know, she was kind of hardcore. Um, she wasn't one of those people, like, if you're crying, like, oh, let me wipe your tears. No, it was a suck that up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Crying ain't going to change nothing. And for me, it's like now I understand why she does that because, okay, crying doesn't change anything. But sometimes you have to cry. You have to allow yourself to feel those emotions. You know what I'm saying? Because if you don't, then what? Like you're going to build it up. Then you're going to be snapping on people for no reason. And then it's just going to spiral pretty much. But we didn't grow up knowing anything about mental health. Like nothing. I knew nothing about it. And as I started to get older, I started to do my own research. Um, and I brought myself with God. I'm saying that God brought me out of it because I wouldn't be nothing without God. Um, but it's like, as far as like having, I didn't have no family support. My dad was not around. Um, literally, I, that's a whole nother topic. But he wasn't around. So I didn't have a parent to lean on. Like my mom had a boyfriend, but he was not supportive. He was abusive. Um, he did a lot of things he didn't have like any business doing to me and my siblings. And it was just like feeling like that at home and then still having to go to school and get bullied by people like, oh, your hair is too short or, oh, I have a chipped tooth or, oh, you're too big. And even back then, for me, I didn't consider myself that. But hearing it all day and then having to come home and hear the same thing like, oh, you're ugly or you're fat or you're this, you're that, you're eventually going to start believing those things because that's all you're hearing. Nobody was encouraging me. Nobody was building me up. Nobody was saying like, passion, you got this. You could be anything when you grow up. It was, oh, well, you know, maybe, but with the lifestyle that we have, you may not be nothing. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I told myself, like, I'm not going to be like everybody else. Um, in my family, we we have history of drug abuse. We have history of alcohol. Like, it's just, an alcohol entity is the big one for our family. A lot of people become alcoholics, including my mother was one. Um, she was an alcoholic for a long time. And it, and honestly, with that, I'm not, she didn't even start off as an alcoholic. See, with her, I feel like if she would have got the help that she needed to become her best self, she could have helped us become our best self. But she didn't get the help either because she struggled with mental health way before we did. But she never wanted to talk to nobody because her mother grew up the same way. Whatever happens in the house, stays in the house. 
Don't talk to nobody about our business. Don't tell nobody. And I feel like as African-Americans, we really have to stop doing that because you, you, it's, it's whatever's happening in that house, if it's hurting you, you need to go get help. You know what I'm saying? You can't allow that to be your, oh, well, what happens in here? Don't say nothing. Like, no, I, I don't care. I don't care what people call it snitching. I don't care if you feel like you're going to get somebody in trouble. It's not necessarily even about running to the cops. It's just if you go to your grandmother's house, tell your grandma, like, hey, mom, like, I'm, I'm not safe at home or I feel some type of way. Just get some type of outside help. And I wish I knew that. But I was scared as a child. Like, hey, if I say something, what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Especially with my mom's boyfriend. Like, is he going to get upset if I do this? You know what I'm saying? And I just really wish that my mom would have handled that a little bit better for us and just kind of told us. Because, I mean, even not even just parents, but school systems as well. I just feel like if you could sit us down and talk to us about sex ed, why mm. can't you do the same thing oh about mental Ooh. health? Like, oh, man. I don't, I don't get that. That's hard. That's yeah. That's, that's because, a bar. You know, that's a bar. Hold up, real quick, because yeah. you said I've been, I've been oh. screaming that for so long, right? So, I grew up in a conservative household, but we had family life. Now, my parents took us out of family life because he, they didn't want us being. They wanted us to learn the biblical, like really, you know, Christian household, family, mm-hmm. being raised that way. So they wanted us to be taught the biblical things, right? Right. So we didn't we didn't go to family life, but it's a, it's a funny point you bring up is that there are these mandatory courses where you learn what your private parts are. You learn about mm-hmm. ha- happy, healthy sex relationships. You could be 12 or 13. Some of it like me, I was a late bloomer. I didn't really bloom until like my late teens. Like I was mm-hmm. a junior high school, senior in high school. My voice changed. I started to grow facial. That, right. that stuff happened later. So you may not even like even be going through those feelings yet but yeah you're in a class learning about things that you will eventually will need to know but right. where is the where's the course the mandatory course about mental health you mentioned right you didn't even know, like you knew you were sad you knew you were feeling certain things but you was mm-hmm. never told what those things were and right. then you had a mother unfortunately too who wasn't educating you on it so we think about like parenting parent parents spend a lot of time giving us information that we may not need to use, but mm-hmm. why not mental health? Right. Or right. Why, why aren't there mental health counselors? Like I had mm-hmm. a guidance counselor at my school. They help mm-hmm. you prepare like what course you want to take, what track, mm-hmm. you know, how to help you graduate, what college, but where was the person to say, look, Hey, here's what mental health is. Here's how important it is. Right. We, we got, we got phys. We call it PE. We got physical education that's mandatory through a certain level, you got to go and work out, run a mile and do all these physical fitness tests. Right. Where's the men- where's the mental piece of it? Right. So then what mm-hmm. happens is we grow up, we become adults, 20 year olds, 30 year olds who don't know what mental health is. So right. we might be struggling and going through things and feeling certain ways, but we don't know what we're feeling because no one ever taught us what that was. Right. And then now we just start acting up. And we start doing a bunch of unhealthy vices. Mm -hmm. You mentioned things like alcoholism, maybe a drug Mm -hmm. abuse, maybe people going out there and having a bunch of children that are unplanned Mm -hmm. for living their life a certain way. And again, everyone has their their, their right to live the way way their life any way they want. But it's possible that some of those actions are because they're, they're, they're trying to find who they are because they never were really given that support they needed at a young age. And I, and, and one of my goals is that, we rewarp the education system. We rewarp the school system and ensure that at that school age level, it's never too young for someone to learn about mental right. And if we can right. start there, then we we raise healthier children, healthier minds, who then become healthier adults. Right. Right. Because with and all so, the kids yeah. hurting themselves, I'm sorry, I mean, no, no, go ahead. no, yes, no. But please, with all no. the kids hurting themselves. If somebody was just to sit them down and explain those feelings to them, because kids, they don't be understanding what really be going on. And it's like, especially like, even like what I said about bullying, like bullying takes people through stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of times parents try to push it off like, oh, you know, just I'll talk to your teacher or tell the principal or whatever. But it's more than that, because if that same person is literally coming to them every single day. That mental health kicks in, because like I said, even for me, I started to believe the things that they were saying. Because if there's if, if there was no balance for me, there was like if I'm getting hate every time I go to school because of the shoes that I wear or the clothes or the way that I look, and then I'm coming home and I'm getting the same thing, how can you expect me to survive in this world if there's no balance? 
I had no type of balance growing up. So, whew, yeah, like, no, that's, it, it, no, it, that's it, great. It was a lot. That's no, and I related to to a lot of important things you mentioned before we went off into the education piece. I talk in many of my episodes about me. Uh, I was overweight a lot as a teenager, to the point where, um, and I, I've lost a lot of weight since you know being a teenager. But it's those feelings are still with you when you when you mm-hmm. brought back to how the the hurtful things that people can say to you. And granted, hurt people hurt people, but it's like in that moment. You know, you wonder, like, what did I do to you for you to speak to me this way, feel this way? And and no matter how confident you can try to be in yourself, it's going to hurt you. You're going to go home. You're going to cry. And like you said earlier, sometimes while crying doesn't maybe change what happened, it it's as a healing mechanism, as a way to get those Mm -hmm. emotions out, because the worst thing possible is to leave those things boiled up inside of you. Right. Because like from the man perspective, we were taught like I, I, I mentioned this in a few episodes ago. I never saw my dad cry to this day. I'm pushing 30 years old. I've never seen my dad cry. Wow. So think about what message that sends to your son. Right. right? Where if you don't see your dad cry, then you think that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You say, well, he's a real man. Dad's a real man. He gets gets care of business. He's a real man. Mm -hmm. So men don't cry. That's I want to be like my dad. So then I'm not going to cry. So then mm-hmm. how does that, it creates this like this cycle because then right. what about when I get married or get into a relationship and the woman says, well, you never show emotion. You don't, right. you're not vulnerable enough, but I think that's the way that men are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've, we've got these gender roles misconstrued. We've got this, um, this idea of masculinity that's, that's misconstrued. And then as black people, you can relate as well. Black people brush so many things underneath the rug right. and then just say, hey, look, you mentioned earlier, your mom don't want her business in the streets. Mm-hmm. To this day, I guarantee you, I don't think my dad listens to the podcast or my, my parents, but mm-hmm. if they've listened to it, even today, they would probably say something like, well, why you talk about that? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about you. I'm never going to talk about particularly to your business are air out. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking about my experience and you can't tell me what to say. You can't right. tell me what my experience is because it's my experience. Mm-hmm. It happened to me. It's what I recall. Right. It's my memories. It's my life. And sometimes right. even truth. today, it's, it's my truth. And sometimes people will try to muzzle that and hold mm-hmm. you back from speaking your truth because it right. makes them feel more comfortable because they, like mm-hmm. you said, like your mom said, don't air out our business. Well, why not? Because mm-hmm. something I'll share with you, and hopefully this sticks with you, is something I was told mm-hmm. a, a few months ago. You cannot heal what you're unwilling to reveal. Oh, wow. So Oof. if I'm if I am running away from my demons, running away from the things that happened to me because mm-hmm. I'm trying to please this person so that they don't have to face it because that's how they're coping. They're coping because they're not facing it. Right. But then they want me oh, to wow. do the same thing. And then I'm going off. And meanwhile... I, they're stunting my growth. They're stunting my healing process because I'm converting to their ideology that the best right. way to deal with it is by not dealing with it. Mm. But what you have done and by you sh- sharing what you've shared so far is that you're finding ways to deal with it and to speak. And I just want to commend you for that because understand Thank too, you. the power of a black woman speaking up about things that you went through as a, right. as a little girl, as a teenager, things you might still be going through. Oh, it's yeah. power in that. Because there's mm-hmm. so many young girls out there, passion, that aren't willing to do the same thing. So I just want to I want right. to send you that love and healing and just congratulate you Thank for you being so in, in your truth as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's honestly it's not it's not easy. Um, because like you said, like even about my mom, like she she cried. I seen her cry, but her cries were more so like drunk cries, right? Mm-hmm. So those weren't like the tears that I needed to see. I wanted to see her being vulnerable. Like, yes, she allowed us to see the struggle. And as a child, of course, we didn't understand why. Now I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because if she would have hindered us from that, we wouldn't be prepared to live on our own. I get that. But I didn't want to see those tears of like, oh, I'm drunk. And then you crying. And then now you're, you, you know what I'm saying? You're happy. You're mad or whatever. No, I want to see those depressed tears. Talk to me about what you're feeling. Tell me what's going on. And then as a child, okay, we may not can handle everything, but still, because my mother talked to us about how she wanted her, um, like how she wanted to handle her death and stuff like that. My mom actually ended up passing last year um, at the age of 42. 
So with my mental health now, that's one of the reasons what led to what I'm, um, you know, so we're going to get into it later on. But literally, I wish instead of her talking to me about how she wants to be cremated and this, this and this, that she spent that time to tell us like, hey, you know, it's not easy, especially once we got old enough. Once I turned 18, I feel like that's old enough for you to sit me down like, hey, Pastor, you know, I've been struggling with, with mental health for a long time. I've been depressed for a while. You know what I'm saying? This is what's been going on because I know for a fact there were things that she couldn't handle. She had to pay a lot of bills by herself. You know what I'm saying? Even though she had a man, she was single. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. we understand. And then on top of that, um, my grandmother had passed and I didn't understand her feelings at the time. My mom cried at the funeral. It felt unreal for me at first. Um, but now that I've lost her, I understand the things that she went through, those emotions. And I wish she would have expressed that to us because then maybe we could have helped her some. You get what I'm saying? Instead of her dealing with that, that's when the alcohol really kicked in. So it's like seeing my mother go through all of those things. It's like for me, I was more so stressing myself out and getting sad and depressed because I don't know how to help somebody because you're not talking to me. You're not telling me what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And as black women, we need to know. It's just a black generation in like period. We need to know what's going on with our parents. We we need to know if you're on the verge of, hey, I want to kill myself. Yes, it, it may be hard for me to hear at the age of 18, like, you know, my mom wants to kill herself, but I would rather you tell me instead of you trying to do it. You get what I'm saying? Just like I would want the same thing in return. And I just feel like with her being uneducated and everything like that in mental health, she just she didn't know how to. So for me, my mental health definitely it is it's rocky from time to time. Like I'm not gonna sit up here and be like, oh, I'm perfect today. Mm-hmm. No, I lost my mom over a year ago, almost two years now, March 8th of 2020. So dealing with that and still literally after my mom died, I lost my job, everything, all of that, my job, I almost lost my car, couldn't pay my phone bill, didn't have no food, had people stealing money. It was like a lot of things going on, but yeah, I still got up and I'm like, okay, my mom. Even though it was tough love, she was like, you know, crying ain't gonna change. And I cried, I did. But I'm like, okay, I don't want to be that person no more. I'm not going to let depression take over my adulthood because it already took over my childhood. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I made the decision to get up. I'm going to finish school. I had literally the semester right after my mom died. I finished with straight A's and B's. And I still kept going. Started multiple businesses. You get what I'm saying? And continue to push myself. I'm still not where I want to be. But mentally, I feel like for me, I leaned on God a lot. Like I, I am very religious when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people don't believe and stuff like that. So not stepping on nobody's toes, but I believe in what I believe in. And I know for a fact that I wouldn't be anywhere without him. You know what I'm saying? So. Wow. So yeah. a, a, a few things to, first of all, just understand that, um, you know, unfortunately with some of our parents, they're just teaching us what they were taught. Right. You know, if, if they weren't educated in that space, it's because more than likely they're, they're parents and their parents. Right. And and that's right. why it's important to have people like yourself existing, because you can help in the cycle. You can help in the stigma and say, look, you know, um, I want to do something different for my kids. I was at a mental health conference not long ago and uh, the, the, the speaker said his son had asked him, he says, hey, how are you such a great father to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, because your dad left it, too. And he, okay. told, he looked at his son. He says, he says, son, I gave you what I longed for. Mm. I thought that was one of the most powerful things I ever heard because yes. we, we know no parents is perfect. We love our parents, mm-hmm. but we learn, we can learn things from them right. and maybe stop the cycle, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of maybe a, a mother has her kid at 16 and so then she has a kid at 16 and then she, the kid has a kid and that's right. cycling, cycling. But how about saying, look, you know, someone has to stop it at some point and that right. could be you. That could be me. That could be someone listening to say, look, I've gone through some generational trauma. My parents weren't equipped to handle mental health. They didn't take, take, mm-hmm. take the best care of themselves, but mm-hmm. I can stop it so that when I have children, I want to raise them a little bit different. I want to create a safer space. Right. I want to create more conversation so that they can, they can live a healthier life with their mind. Right. right. So just uh, see what you can take and learn from those experiences and implement going forward in the future. And, and I know that's the best way that you can probably honor your mother's memory. In fact, I mean, you mentioned March 8th. I know exactly what day that that was a Sunday uh, mm-hmm. because I was actually married the day before that was right before the oh, pandemic mm-hmm. really, um, really happened. And it's interesting when you meet someone as we've just met and how our experiences could be totally different. So that day I am 
flying out to go on a honeymoon uh right. to to florida you live in florida you said you're, you're from gainesville well, I'm flying I'm in georgia now georgia now okay but you lived in gainesville so i was flying into cape canaveral in orlando uh to mm-hmm. catch a cruise ship this is mid before right before the pandemic the world went to do mm-hmm. right uh and enjoyed a lovely honeymoon with my wife but that same day you lost your mom so just tell me just briefly mm-hmm. we won't stay here too long anything you remember about that day any anything that you were feeling oh, yeah, that day on that, that that was a sunday i know that was a sunday mm-hmm. for sure right so it actually started um I'm I'm just gonna kind of do it fast real quick, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my mom had um, hernias, right, after the birth of my my younger sister. Started off very small. Over the years, they grew, right? People don't talk about that either. Like you know, it's important to make sure you stay up on your your physical health. You know what I'm saying? Like go to the doctor, get those things done. So my mom was kind of like that type of person. If it ain't broken, if it ain't bleeding, I'm not going, right? So it turned into with her drinking and all of that. My mom was always bigger. She was never under 200 pounds my whole life. I've never seen my mother skinny. So when she started to drop weight, she dropped weight fast. And my mom always had like big butt, big boobs. And when I tell you she went completely skinny, it was scary. And I'm like, you know, looking at her and I wasn't trying to make her feel any type of way. I'm just like, mom, you know, you look different. Like it's, it's weird seeing you like this. So come to find out the hernias had done twisted around her bowel right so it turned into her like pooping out blood and stuff like that so she ended up going to the hospital my little sister's birthday is february 13th they were able to spend that last moment together and stuff like that my mom went to the hospital february 15th to get emergency surgery because it had got really bad and she couldn't eat anything couldn't drink anything so she went into the hospital the hospital she went into i'm not going to disclose because yeah I'm thinking about taking legal actions because they ended up making so many mistakes with her and she ended up having six surgeries in one week because every time they went in, the first time they went in, they were like, okay, they told us like, oh yeah, it's not going to be that bad. Now, mind you, I believe that my mother knew that she was going to die because of how she was kind of setting it up because she, she just kept telling me like with my girlfriend, she was just like, Hey, yeah, that's your family now. Take care of them. And she kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? We took a trip to Mississippi that January and she's not an affectionate person. She'll tell you that she loves you, but it wasn't like overly, you know what I'm saying? But when we went, she was like, I love you so much. I just want you to know that I love you more than life. I'm like, mom, what are you? Okay. I love you too. You know what I'm saying? Calm down. And I didn't know, but I feel like she knew. And even when she called me, because mind you, I stayed in Georgia at that time as well, but I moved back to Gainesville temporarily when she went to the hospital. But when she called me, February 15th, she called me. She said, Passion, you need to get down here right now. I'm finna die. And I'm like, wait, what? She was like, I have to get surgery. I'm about to die. So I'm like, what are you talking about? So when I talked to my sister, she was like, no, the doctors didn't say she was going to die. They just said she may have to get a bag, you know, on her stomach and stuff like that, just in case that's the worst case scenario. But we all know surgery can cause death, right? Mm -hmm. But the doctors didn't necessarily say that was her worst case scenario. Went in, they did all these things. And when she came back, I remember her looking at me. And at first, she was okay. She was talking and stuff like that, but her heart rate wouldn't go down. It was like 130, 150, 190. It just kept going up. So it was like it was some funny videos on my Facebook page of her pretending like she was smoking because that was the only thing that could calm her down. She was pretending like she was smoking, you know, a blunt or whatever. So they ended up cutting something and she was bleeding internally. So then they went in and tried to fix that. So then they ended up having to leave her open for a couple of days. Her, she started bleeding again because they cut something else. And it was like they just kept making little mistakes. So what eventually what ended up killing her was the fact that she was bleeding internally. Mind you, when they went in the second time, she lost all of the blood in her body. She didn't have anything left. They had to give her blood. And as they were giving her this blood, knowing that she's, mind you, they been knew that she was bleeding internally before she passed. But yet they were still giving her blood. So for me, you know how sometimes doctors try to talk to us like we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I got all my crying out at my sister's house. And I'm like, no, because I already know everybody else is going to be up in there showing out. I wanted to have my head on straight because you're not going to sit up here and tell me that you thinking they're saying, oh, well, we thought that the blood would slow her down. No, all of this was a lot for me to take in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, hold up. Like, this is not making no sense for me because why me personally, in my mind, I wouldn't think of common sense. Me knowing that someone's bleeding internally, I'm like, okay, well, let me keep giving them blood. When all you had to do, they said something about dialysis and then they could do an MRI, whatever they're talking about. I don't know. But it was just a lot of foolishness. And of course, with her being African-American, because she actually worked at University of Florida for 19 years almost, and they were not trying to pay her medical bills. So they were trying to blame it on alcohol. 
They held my mother's body for almost three weeks after she died. Mind you, she was getting cremated. And even the lady at the funeral home told me, she was like, yeah, Yusa doesn't take this long. I've had bodies back within 24 hours after they've had. But they were trying to find a way to blame it on alcohol so they wouldn't have to pay her bills, which would then leave us to pay her bills. You know what I'm saying? So, but God worked it on out and it was, it was a lot. So yeah. mentally for me, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I honestly felt like a child. I felt like I was five years old and didn't know what I was doing, who to go to. And I'm just like, I'm praying. I'm hoping like, okay, now nah, she's going to get up. And I'm believing in God. You know, I'm like, God, okay. You said, if we pray, if we believe this is what can happen. So I called everybody I knew and I'm like, okay, we have to pray. And Honestly, it was just like I literally felt like a little kid. And like now that she's gone, I tell my girlfriend sometimes, like, it feels like I don't come from nowhere. Like I, I feel like I've never had a mother. And it's like not because I don't love her, not because I don't miss her, but it literally feels like she was not my mom. And it's very weird. Like it's it's almost like you don't know who created you, especially if you don't have your father around. It's like I'm literally just me. Like it just feels like I came from nothing. And it's like it's very, I don't know. It's, it's a weird feeling. Um, and I feel alone a lot of times. Um, I feel down a lot. And man, that was one of the worst experiences. But I am a type of person, I would cry at home. And I'm going to ask some questions in person because yeah. I don't want people looking at me like, oh, yeah, she's just another one, you know. And then they try to talk in terms and stuff. Now, I want to know what's going on. Um, it was a scary moment. Um, I'm happy that we did get, you know, spend that time and stuff. But that took a toll on me mentally. And one thing that someone had said to me that really had just rubbed me the wrong way after she passed and I got her ashes and stuff, they were like, oh, well, you should be okay now because you have her ashes sitting in your room. Wow. No. Yeah, that doesn't help you heal. I was afraid to pick her up for months. My mom sat in my room for almost eight months and I picked her up maybe three, four times because when you walk past that, it's literally almost walking past a grave. Holding your mother in in an urn is not, oh, this is going to help you heal. Like, no. That's like having literally the great sight in your room. You know what I'm saying? So it's like for somebody to look at me and say, yeah, you'll be all right. You should be good now because you have her with you. No, that's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not. So that that definitely took a toll on me mentally. Well, yeah, a few things, hopefully, obviously, and, and we won't go into any more detail as mm-hmm. far as like litigation. Hopefully mm-hmm. things work out and you get the representation and get the best Thank legal you. advice for whatever you can do to pursue to, to, to remedy the situation for you, your, your siblings. Um, a a lesson too, as well, something you brought up at the top of that was just, you know, as black people a lot, it's not just mental health that we've been deficient in. It's also physical health too, you know, because as I I had a guy on a few weeks ago who talked about how he hadn't gone to a a PCP in 18 years and then discovered he had, uh, polyps in his intestine that were benign, not cancerous, Mm -hmm. but they could have been had it. And he was not even, not even in, not even in his forties. Typically men, we don't go get colonoscopies until, we're in our 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. He he finally went and his doctor said, look, had you waited any lo- thing longer, this would have really got worse. And the mm-hmm. thing is now we can get out of it. So everyone listening, not just in the black community, but particularly in the black community, people of color, we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Let's go ch- get ourselves checked out. Stay on top of our physical health too. Physical health is important right. because we can get our mental health in check. But if we ain't, you know, a lot of times. One of the worst things that people have said to men is man up, go suck it up. And like convince ourselves that we're not okay or we're scared to go to the doctor for him to tell us something like go to the doctor. And maybe if there is something wrong with you, maybe you can get ahead of it. And so, again, um, prayers and healing to to you, your family. And we'll just take just a quick few seconds. This is a moment of silence as well for your for your beautiful mother. Lost it. You said 42. Yep. Such a young age. We'll just take a second. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick, for sharing that. I I believe that, again, there's power in words, there's power in storytelling, there's power in in your testimony. And I feel like someone listening um, who may have lost a sibling, um, my wife lost her father um, in March herself. Uh, It's it's tough. I haven't lost a parent, but I but Mm -hmm. I'm faced with that thought of what that looks like, because if typically that's the order of life that usually your parents go, not always, but usually your parents go before you. They're mm-hmm. older than you. They're more at risk. And so having that thought in your mind, it's a hard thought. I couldn't imagine losing my mom. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine losing my dad. So um, stay strong and thank you for sharing because you, so you, you, you have no idea who you could be helping. And so 
as we kind of bridge the gap and, and 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 we get to what you're doing now, you have this boutique. Tell us about your boutique, and then tell okay. us tell us about this special uh, hoodie that you designed that went viral. Okay, so um, Passion Look Boutique. Um, it started off as Passion Look Collection. Really, it started off as Glossy by Passion. Um, and then I just knew that I wanted to do more than just sell cosmetics. I wanted to have a name that obviously included who, like my name. Um, and then just kind of told you like, okay, when I shop here, I'm going to experience more than just one thing. So that's why I changed it to Passions of Collection. Um, I got my LLC maybe like two years ago now. Um, so with that, um, I just started selling clothes and stuff like that. I just knew personally that I didn't want to become what I grew up seeing. Um, I didn't want to be that person who had to live check to check. Mind you, I'm not where I want to be. Like I said, I'm going to continue to say that I'm not perfect. My business is not always getting money every single day. I'm not big yet, but I'm working and I treat my business as if I'm big. I treat my business like I'm bigger than Amazon. My my customer service, I don't care if you cuss me out or whatever the case may be. It's going to, it's going to, like, I'm going to treat you like I'm already up there because the worst thing you can do with a small business is to cut somebody out or, you know, do something. So I try to hold myself to that center. Like, hey, you know, I may not be Louis Vuitton yet. Or that big, yeah, I may not be Walmart yet, but one day I will be, but I'm going to do it with a little bit more swag. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I just knew that I don't have any kids yet, but I do want like kids in the future. I really want 10 kids, honestly. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> Go ahead, get your 10. Get your, you're going to need a school bus, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. But um, my biggest thing is too, is just like, I want to create a future for them. I want to leave something back behind that's going to consistently bring them in money i want to have warehouses i want to have multiple stores i want to have you know just a lot of things and i want to do different things i want to branch out inside of my business have businesses under my business that way when they do get older they don't necessarily have to take over the business because i know every child doesn't want that but you'll be financially stable i'm not going to send my child into the world like hey just go figure it out no i want you to have something to Okay, I may can't give you the whole hundred thousand right now, but okay, here go five thousand, here go whatever. Let me help you get on your feet just to start. Let me show you what to do. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't get taught that. We kind of just at 18, I moved out. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have no help. Nobody helped me do nothing. I had to figure it out on my own. And that's how you end up setting your child up for failure, I feel. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I'm setting my kids up for a greatness. You know what I'm saying? I don't want them to have to struggle because I've seen what that looked like and I don't want that for them. So even though I don't have them yet, I'm thinking ahead of the game. You get what I'm saying? By the time I'm setting the foundation right now, so when they do get here, it's already set in stone. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing research and all this other type of stuff just to make sure that my family will be okay after I'm gone. Because even if I don't have kids, my business is my baby. So that's going to be something still left for my other siblings. I'm going to make sure everybody is good because that's the type of person I am. And I just feel like, Somebody has to. If nobody else is going to do it, it has to be. I'm literally the only entrepreneur in my family on my mom and my dad's side that I know of. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to make sure that I I started a different trend because a lot of my family just kind of, oh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Work at McDonald's, work at Popeye's. Why would I work my butt off for another man to get rich when I can do that same amount of work and get my own money and make sure that, hey, you don't have to go through no 15 people before it comes to me. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I still pay taxes. I still do my thing, but I have more control over what I do. I control my hours and stuff like that. So I just felt like, why would I be sitting up here doing all this work for somebody? Child, if you don't come to work, guess what they're going to do? Find somebody else. They don't care. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, they're going to make sure they still bring in their money. But so it's like, for me, I just wanted to make sure that I did something a little bit different and switched it up for my family because the the cycle that they're, they were on, I just didn't want that for me. Yeah, so so congratulations on the success of the boutique and the website, and uh, y'all definitely go check out her boutique, and you have lots of different pieces of clothing and some creative things on there. So then, lately, as I started at the outset, you went viral, uh, your hoodie, a picture of yourself uh, in one of these hoodies that you have now as part of your collection um, that you're wearing right now, and if the audience, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, you'll see the cover art is this picture um, our Apple listeners, just go to our Instagram and you can see it uh, when you're listening to this episode. But the shirt says the, the word depression, which is a popular word. But this is interesting, right? You have the D-E and depression crossed out and you have mm-hmm. the I pr- crossed out, right? Which mm-hmm. then leads 
leaves, excuse me, the words press on. And it's just such a simple message, but it's powerful. So speak powerful. to that message, what that means to you, why you wanted to put that out and talk to some of the success. How have people been responding to this message? Okay. So for me, um, honestly, I knew that I wanted to do something with the word depression because like I said earlier, like I, I struggled with it a lot. Um, and I'm like, okay, so what can I do? I literally, I prayed on it and stuff like that. I, I did not know what to do with it. Um, and honestly, I got the vision in my sleep, believe it or not. I was actually dreaming. I'm like, okay, that's going to be dope. Let me get up. And I woke up 3.30 in the morning and I went on my iPad and I created a design on Canva. And it was so crazy because that Sunday prior to me creating the design, um, I was watching church service and it was like, God will give you a vision, but he'll never give it to you to handle alone. He will always give you somebody else to handle it with. And I reached out to one of my friends who I knew could make the hoodies. And I'm like, hey, you know, I have this really dope design. Tell me what you think about it. Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. I was very scared to release the hoodie because I'm like, what if people don't understand? What if they don't get what I'm trying to, you know, put out there? What if it just looks like, okay, just a bunch of mess on the shirt? You get what I'm saying? So I sent it to her. She was like, oh, wow, that's that's dope. She was like, this is going to be amazing. Mind you, when I post stuff for my business, like I said, I'm not big yet. I would usually get three, four, five likes. 10 likes at the most, especially on Facebook. I don't really get engagement on Facebook. And it's crazy because a lot of the people that I grew up around are on my Facebook, but none of them share, like share my stuff. So when I posted the picture, I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to let it do whatever it's going to do. I was scared to check it. I didn't want to see. So next thing I know, I'm getting, I got so many like DMs and then somebody was like, Passion, you went viral. And I'm like, wait, what? So I go in there and I looked and I seen it was like, at that time, it was like 11K shares or something like that. I cried like a baby and I actually yeah. have a video. <laughs> I have a video of me crying. <laughs> um, and then even like with my website, my website at that time. And um, I actually, I think I posted this on my Instagram in October. I relaunched. I made $0 for the month of October. And in November, just with that post in 24 hours, I made almost $5,000. And it was just from this simple hoodie for me. It was like, okay, I was scared to do this. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but I'm glad I did. I leaked that on faith and I did release it but i was not expecting people to react the way they did and so many people were commenting and of course you know you get a lot of haters in in, of in, in a sense you know um somebody was like yeah easier said than done i never said it was easy i never put in my post mm-hmm. pressing on would be easy but it's something that you have to do if you still want to make sure that you're going to make it out what you got to do you have to press on through whatever situation you're going through it may not be easy i never said oh yeah it's just gonna fall in your lap never said that so I got a lot of people that were kind of like, oh, yeah, it's easy, easier said than done, whatever, whatever. But then you got those people that reached out to me and it was like, thank you so much. Like, I really need to see this. Even in public, um, I was walking, doing some Instacart and I had on one of my hoodies. And one of the workers, he was like, I love that hoodie. I said, thank you. Yeah, it's my, you know, it's my hoodie. I um, designed it and stuff. He was like, I really need to see that today. And you could tell he was really down. So, like, I was so happy that finally, like, okay, the message is actually helping people. So many people, like one girl even wrote me, was like, I was just thinking about killing myself until I see your post. And that touched me so deep because it shows me that this is the message, like the message is working. Like, I don't want you to kill yourself. I don't, I don't care if you were the worst person in the world. I don't feel as though nobody deserves that, like that feeling, you know what I'm saying, of wanting to take yourself out. And I just thank God that like the the message is actually getting across. And of course you got those people too that hit me up trying to get on. Oh, hey, can you show me how to do this? Hey, can you start my business? No. <laughs> you get Ain't those got, anybody got time for that. Anybody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. So that that's also too why probably I didn't see your messages because I had so many people. When I tell you yeah. so many people hit me up. And then of course you too, you know, you get those folks that haven't talked to you in 10 years and they'd be under your like, post. Hey, like, oh my God, this is my girl. Yeah. And I said, you remember me from grade school. Oh God. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, we are not girlfriends. And I got so many people like that. But, girl, we played yeah, in the sandbox together <laughs> back when we were six years old. Girl, you right. remember, girl. What's up? <laughs> right. And half of the ones that did that didn't even buy anything. I got yeah. the most support from strangers that I've never met. And it, it just like means that. so much to me. It means so like much that. to me. Most most yeah. of my listeners are like people that I don't know. Like I do have family and friends who listen, but like I don't like it's great for them, but like I don't 
you know, like you can re it's weird that sometimes and it's the same thing like with celebrities today is why some of them say they don't go back to their home cities is because like mm -hmm. they get more love elsewhere they get more hate when you go right. back home people think oh you too big or you big time like nah i'm just trying to show love and show genuine right. love but but i can't even do that so that's why people stay away so like it, you can't win or lose because if you if you come back oh you just too good at two shoes if you're trying to pour something right. into the city you can't but if you leave oh you never come home you is you know so you can't right. win when you when you pop in and so that invites in hate but like mm -hmm. I, I can totally relate to you too because like you're going to get more support and business from people who don't even know you versus people who do who grown up with you right you would you would think it'd be the opposite right but right that's it and thing in life is never what i've learned in business and learned in podcasting is don't have any expectations Right. Like, I don't expect even my closest friends. I, I know for a fact there's some of my closest friends who don't listen to the podcast because they've right. asked me, hey, how are you feeling or what's the things going or why haven't we seen? Well, if you've listened, you would know what I'm going through. Right. If you've listened, the whole I, I always say about this pod and hopefully you can say the same about your business and your practice is like it's a way for you to to speak to who you are and to put your passion mm -hmm. to it. I feel the same way about the pod. I say, like, hey, if you've never met me before you could listen to all of my episodes and say, I know exactly who Justin is. I, I get him, mm -hmm. right? You may not like me, but you'll get and understand who I am. Right. I put my whole life into this podcast. I put my, right. my, my feelings, my emotions here. And so for, for someone, if someone really does care about me, want to get to know me more, they may want to listen. But if not, that's right. cool too. But I'm not expecting it because see, when you expect something, you get let down. But right. kudos to you for the success uh, of your business and, and going forward. I think there's some, I've interviewed a few people now who have mental health brand who exclusively I know you that's not the only thing you do. You have other mm -hmm. products. So please go check out our other products. But I've met people who exclusively have mental health messages. Um, I right. talked I was in Vegas a few weeks ago and I had a shirt on from a group called Black Men Heal and they produced a shirt. It says vulnerability is the new sexy, a bright mm. red shirt. And let me tell you, walking down the streets of Vegas, in and out of casino, they was like loving that. Like, oh, that I right. love that shirt. <laughs> I had another one that I bought from them that says black uh, mental health was the mm -hmm. word. But then it highlights black men heal because they're black. It was wow. so dope, so simple. Yes. But like people are like, yo, that's fire. That's dope. Mm -hmm. And and so you have no idea. Yes, there's always going to be people who are going to hate and think too much, read too mm -hmm. much to the message. Oh, you're saying it's so easy. No, I'm just, it's hard, but I'm putting right. this message on a shirt. So I remind myself of the path Everything of the right. journey that I need to take, that I want to take. Mm -hmm. And hopefully someone walking down the street can see it. And maybe what they're going through, they're not bold enough to wear that shirt, but they'll see my shirt smile right. and maybe they'll press on maybe they'll keep right. going and and that's what i want you to focus on you're gonna no matter how 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 big you get or how smart you there's always gonna be people who just ain't gonna get right. it and that's okay don't do it right. for them do it for the one person you said there was someone that message you said you said you could have saved their life she was thinking about taking her life and she saw that and kept going Think about that right. person, because that's how I think if I can just affect one person, if there's just mm -hmm. one listener who says, you know what, I get it. I'm going to keep going forward. That's what I'm here. That's what I turn the mic on for. Right. That's why I take time. So please keep keep doing that. Right. Um, I want to I want to end here with just for you, with everything, you know, you're going through. One mm -hmm. thing I really appreciate is your humility and saying, look, I'm, I've achieved some success. I'm doing well for myself, but I still there's a lot of things I want to do. And that's great right. because we never, we're always learning. We're always growing. Mm -hmm. But what would, as you look back at your life, you look back at your experience, the loss of your mom, your childhood, your upbringing, things you've gone through mentally, the things you're still fighting mentally mm -hmm. and your recent success for that person out there right now that's struggling, that's been in a similar spot as you, that's maybe mm -hmm. felt some of the same things that you felt, maybe feeling them right this second. What, what do you say to that person right now? I would definitely say that no matter how hard it seems right now, no matter how dark it seems, no matter how many tears you drop on your face, there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if it doesn't feel like it. Even when people look at you like you're crazy, continue to do what you can for yourself. If you need to go get help, go get help. If it if it's just dancing around in your room, screaming, shouting, throwing stuff, whatever you have to do, let that out and continue to move forward. because. What is a world without you? You are important. Even if you may not think you are, you are here for a reason. We all have a purpose on earth. You are here to 
bless somebody or to help somebody through something. And somebody is here for you as well. So don't allow the bad times to consume you as a human. Allow that to build you and to build that foundation to allow you to become a stronger person. Because at the end of the day, you need somebody, but somebody also needs you as well. So do not give up on yourself. If you need to talk to me, email me. Don't DM me. <laughs> yeah, email her, guys. Email her. <laughs> yes, email me. I'm always down to talk. I am a very good listener. Um, if you just need, like need to call me just to cry or whatever the case may be. Can't call my real phone, but we'll come up with a number or something. And then y'all can call me. I, I'm very, you know, open. It's it just sometimes the simple things in life is just listening to somebody. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely that person. Send me letters, whatever you want to do. Um, just find a way to cope with what you're going through, but to continue to press on. That's what I'm saying. Continue to press on. Okay. That's on. I love it. Tell them, uh, Passion, where can they find you? Where can they find you on social? Where can they find the boutique? How can they support you? Okay. So you can find me on social media. Um, my personal page is Kira Noel. Um, everything will be linked on his notes, y'all. So just click yes. the link. But um, Kira Noel. Um, and then also for the website shop lux boutique shop lxs boutique.com. Um, that's how you can go in there and purchase hoodies and all that type stuff. Get them while y'all can now because they sell out fast. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to buy mine so right now. <laughs> yeah, so definitely get those. And then, um, the web not the website, but the Instagram for the business is Passions Lux Boutique on Instagram. So those are my social medias. And like I said, if y'all need to reach me, I also have an email attached to my Instagram. So just hit me up, y'all. Email her, guys. Email her. Listen. Yes, email. Do not <laughs> <Hey>. DM. <laughs> no DMs. Uh, Passion Buchanan, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. So, so really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking some time. Please continue to take care of your mental health, your mental wealth and well-being. And most importantly, press on. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Of course, this has been another episode of the Mental Wealth Podcast. And so what what an episode. Thank you again, uh, Passion, for joining us. We can really hear and, and, and feel your passion, no pun intended, with everything you're, you're doing, you, you've done, your life story. And I really, really believe that someone listening today is really resonating with you and your story. It was so powerful and really, really enjoyed this episode. And, you know, one just really big takeaway, as she, as she mentioned, um, you know, no matter how successful you are, no matter how good of an idea something is, no matter... Um, how well you're doing, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree. There's always going to be someone who wants to spin a narrative and just think, oh, it means something different, right? Understand that you're not doing it for them. You're under, you're doing it for the one person that gets it. And again, let's just be clear. We titled this episode, Press On. We talk about this message, Press On. It doesn't mean to get over it, like your depression is going to disappear, that it might be something that you continue to deal with, but press forward, continue to get up and try and take every day as a brand new day. And it's something so powerful. I tell you with mental health, um, you know, merchandise, shirts, hoodies, t like it does something. It when when I told you guys a few weeks ago when I was in Vegas, had on a couple of different shirts, got so much attention. People see that and you have no idea what they might be going through. They read it and like, oh, wow. That's a powerful message. And then you wearing it, walking around with that on, like just reminding yourself, I'm pressing forward no matter what I've gone through, no matter what my experience is, no matter when the odds are against me, I am pressing forward. I'm going to continue to be my best and do my best. And that's all we can really ask for, right? And so it's a powerful message. Guys, The in the episode notes, go support her, order one. Uh, and um, yeah, really great episode. Glad glad to have done this today. And I want to leave you guys with a couple of thoughts. This is an affirmation. It's a recycled one. But I feel like with everything going on in the world today, we need to bring it back. Uh, so you've heard it before, but it won't hurt you to hear it again. From the Happy Project, listen, it's this. You're enough. You are so much more than enough. You are strong. You are unique. You are needed. You bring to this world things no one else can. You are perfect exactly as you are. You deserve the best. You are worthy of love. You are beautiful inside and out. You have always been 
and will always be enough. Say that to yourself a couple of times a day. Remind yourself of how powerful you are and press on. As promised, the one thing that I, Justin, the host of the Mental Wealth Podcast, and working on for myself is gratitude. I end all my clubhouse rooms every Sunday, one o'clock. You're invited as well. We'll be taking a few Sundays off here soon for the holidays and coming back next year. Uh, but we end every room with gratitude. What's one thing you're grateful for? And I saw a post from my big brother, Josh Ryder from the UK. Uh, he is uh, Sophia May's partner, my sister from the Minable family. If you guys go back to early on in the podcast, back in the summer, I had a pleasure of interviewing her. This is her lovely partner. He posted something today. He says, the things you take for granted, someone else is praying for. Let me repeat that. The things you take for granted, someone else is praying for. The caption was, count your blessings. Sometimes what seems like a test is a blessing in disguise. And I felt that extremely powerful. So for me, I'm going to work on for the rest of the year, being grateful. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what demons I might hold inside, my troubles, my trauma, me continuing to try to be the best I can be, to understand like I'm here to be grateful for being here for the breath of life, to have a voice, to have a platform to share with you all, to be grateful, even the things that I might lose, to be grateful for what I still have. And that's what I'm going to be grateful for. Listen, love to each and every one of you, healing to each and every one of you. Please keep going in your journeys. Please keep pressing on. Let's turn depression on its rear end. Let's kick its butt. Let's keep going. Let's win. Let's let's win together, step by step, day by day. This has been episode 29 of the Mental Wealth Podcast. Listen, I love each and every one of you. There's nothing you can do about it. I hear you. I see you. And I feel you. Mm-hmm.